0: I hope you're strapped in and strapped on. Dick writing, which is crucial. To snatch souls and I call it becoming a dick assassin. Gravity's working against me and now I'm literally just sitting on his dick. If it's not a glide, it's not a ride. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sexistentialist. Um, we're now in season three, so exciting uh, to have a third season of Sexistentialist going. Uh, thank you all for, for being great listeners. And today, um, I am very excited to be joined by Taomi Morgan who is a certified sexologist, Tantra practitioner, and Pleasure Coast. Pleasure Coast, is that what I just said? And Pleasure Coach, same thing. Uh, As well as YouTube tutorial and content creation queen, uh, creator of the blog glamorotico 101com Tayomi, welcome to Sexistentialist. Thanks for having me, M. So glad to be here. So excited to have you on. Um, Let's start off with just a couple of basic introduction things. So for, uh, for the audience, why don't you go ahead and let me know uh, what you what your identity is, how you identify, whatever that means to you. So I identify as a
1: shamanic practitioner and one who is an old soul empath that's come here on a mission to help liberate lives. And I also identify as a pan-sexual, sapiosexual African American woman, um, as well as one who is cisgendered, and um, I would say a student of life because I'm always learning, I'm always expanding, very, very introspective. And contrary to popular belief, I'm an ambivert. So when my mm-hmm. social media, <laughs> media, when my social <laughs> meter <laughs> gets low, I don't even tell anybody. I just like quietly exit stage left
0: to mm-hmm. go
1: recharge which is typically going to bed so
0: <laughs> yes we love an irish goodbye we stand uh, an irish goodbye <laughs> just peacing out no words yeah, spoken just out, don't know. worry about me yeah. i'll be fine yes um i love that i uh not to make everything about me but i identify as pansexual and i always i feel like the line between like, especially for millennials, it's a lot of folks identify or prefer the term bisexual. And so I don't meet that many folks uh, in their like late 20s, early to mid 30s who run with the pan label. So it's always fun for me to meet another who uh, identifies as pan. So uh, I always call myself pots and pansexual for some reason. That always got <laughs> to make that. it about cooking for some reason. Um, cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's helpful. Uh, helpful context for our listeners. Yeah. Um, And uh, as I mentioned to you, I love to have folks before we get into uh, the topic or topics of the day to share a little like fun or silly or uh, memorable sex and or dating uh, relationship anecdote uh, so that folks can kind of get to know you and your personality uh, and a little bit about how your sex or or sex life can play into that. Wow. So (laughs) I'm very like... I like to be
1: playful and I like to keep sex very like open and light and experimental. And so, um, I'm a twin. So that's like another fun fact about nice. when I have a twin sister. And so at this time I was, um, dating this guy who was also a twin and it was kind of like one of those things where you like, I saw this guy at a portfolio review at the art Institute a few years before. Right, I was okay. like, oh, he, him and his brother, like they're so cute. Oh my gosh! And then I ended up like connecting with him because he was casting models, and I was modeling at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so we ended up just having this like sexual relationship, which was great. And we—he's a jokester; like he would joke around a lot. And um, he also liked for me to wear shoes when we would have sex. And so one time, like he was joking around, we were play fighting, and for me, it got like a little serious. And so this should have been a sign that I'm probably kinky. But, um, <laughs> I kicked him in his chest with both of my feet with the heels on and, um, I got so much gratification out of that until he started having an asthma attack and I was just yeah. like, oh, going too far. so, <laughs> um, and it was no heart feelings. Like he wasn't upset at me. Yeah. He like laughed it off after he could breathe again. Um. <laughs> But that's kind of like a bit of my personality. I stop fighting that. as much <laughs> in yeah. my romantic partnerships only because like, I don't want to hurt anyone, but <laughs> if it is condoned, especially if someone is paying me to wrestle them, then I'm going all in.
0: Yeah. I was going to say there definitely is a time and a place. Sounds like someone with a- asthma or like is prone to asthma attacks. Not great. <laughs> that's a hard line <laughs> for that person, but um, I love that. No, I, I, I just think that's what sex should be, wholeheartedly throwing yourself into any encounter. and i um, I'm a big fan of uh well, I'm a big fan of of role play, and I feel like sometimes that l- lends itself to more joking and more playful encounters or play. So um that's so funny. I have to note, did he have like heel marks on his chest where you kicked him? <laughs> The, the, the that like,
1: bruise. They were. They it weren't. There was like a, a bruise, but like just like a little moon shake for a second. Yeah. And then of course, like it disappeared. But okay. I was like, oh, I think I went too hard. Oops. <laughs> but on the inside, just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was my like faded side coming out there a little
0: bit. Yeah. <laughs> I love a battle scar. Um, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so when telling that story, you actually mentioned some of your uh, background in modeling. So uh, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background in general and how you got into the work that you do today.
1: Oh my gosh, it's such, a, it's such an interesting story because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I say that I've lived many lives. Like When I first left high school, I studied fashion design in New York. And at that time, like my first semester, my English teacher was like, what's your major here? I was like, I'm a fashion designer. And he's like, you know, you're a very prolific writer. You should think about being a writer. And I was like, oh no, like fashion's my life. I don't want to do that. (laughs) And then second semester ran around and then uh, my interest kind of shifted a bit. And I just noticed like school was really expensive. So I was like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm going to move back home to Chicago. And so I moved back home to Chicago, became a freelance writer. And a model, and uh, things were going pretty well. And I ended up doing um, season fourteen of America's Next Top Model, like I did their very first, like casting episode, and got some nice mm-hmm. TV time. I didn't make it to like that top twelve, but it was you know a mission accomplished because I wanted to be on that show. And then yeah. at the time, my dad was like, "Well, I'm really happy for you that things are going well in your modeling career, but." I really think that you should be using your writing. Second time someone told me this, it's like, you should be writing. You know, I don't care what you write about. Just do it. And my aunt, God rest her soul, she passed away in 2010, but she was an Mm -hmm. author and a writer, self-published, which at that time, because she was self-published in the nineties, like that was kind of unheard of. So
0: So hard without the internet to make that happen, honestly. (laughs) She was like
1: touring and everything off of self-publishing. And so- she printed out this uh, manual, and this was when blogging was like first getting its footing, right? And she was like, you can you can start a blog. You don't have to go and get a journalism degree. You can just mm-hmm. use your natural talent and start a blog about a topic that you like. And so I sat down and I was like, all right, what can I talk about all the time where I can show up consistently and I won't get tired of talking about, and I know a lot about. It? I was like, oh, sex. So I read it by my dad, and my dad was like, this is good. This is great. You should do it. Amazing. Amazing. And so, um, I just started doing research into the field of sexuality and this was like in 2009, 2010, I was doing research. And at that time there were not that many sex educators who were publicly known. There were not many sex blog sites or sexual advice sites. No one was on YouTube doing sex Mm. positions or sex advice like that because it was when YouTube first got started. Yeah. Um, and I also noticed that a lot of the information that was out there was very like, very much so leaning towards speaking to a white audience. And I didn't see myself in a lot of that. And I didn't see someone who looked like me in mainstream who I could point to and say, I resonate with this person. And so I was like, I'm not gonna complain. I'm just gonna be a solution. And I started my blog, glamorotica101.com in 2011. And I, at first I was not going to put myself on the blog. I was going to do it anonymously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of my mentors in radio was like, listen, your image is pretty powerful. So you need to use your image, put it on your blog. And I'll never forget. It was a banner of me um, in like a white lingerie lying, like, like reclining on a rug, <laughs> looking beautiful. And people would come to the blog and just be like, wait a minute is the person in that picture writing this stuff. I was like, "Yes." And I'm like, "Wait, but is that person you? Is are you the person in the picture?" I was like, "Yeah." They're <laughs> like, "Wait a minute, hold on. How do you know all this stuff?" And then literally from there, I was getting radio interviews because this was when like radio, um, internet radio was getting its start as well. Mm-hmm. Just radio internet radio predates podcasts like yeah oh yeah and again this was only like what 12 years ago so it wasn't that long ago so i immediately started getting interviews and then i launched my youtube channel and at that time like i just had a flip camera and windows movie maker and i would just set it up on a tripod and just talk and do my thing. And I would have friends who were okay with being on camera come in, like demonstrate sex positions with me. And like the videos just started going viral. I was like, Oh my gosh. Uh, and so things just took off and it led to so many other opportunities, like having an appearance on um, comedy central's Tosh.0 mm-hmm. as Daniel Tosh's favorite sex bird and hosting events, like all access, um, which is, And a satellite event that happens across the United States Mm -hmm. to raise money for um, access to abortion for all people. And I hosted that in like 2016. Um, And then just hosting nationwide tours, doing classes online, being on a number number of podcasts and being featured on a number of platforms all over the internet. And... um, It's been great. I mean, it's been 12 years, but it it feels like a blink of an eye. And I feel (laughs) like, too, I'm just getting started because there are people who have been following me from the beginning. And I have an organic audience. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's two forms of marketing. There's paid and there's organic. And most of my marketing has been organic through social media outreach. And so most of the people who follow me, well, not most, all of them, (laughs) have been organically um, gathered. And so it's saying a lot to have a brand that's been sustainable for over a decade and it's still growing and scaling up. And so I enjoy what I do and I love, I have a knack for condensing things down and breaking it down and make it simple for people to understand, but also making it enjoyable for them to engage in sexual conversation and, um, and then making it easy for them to integrate and apply it to their lives. So, it's been a wonderful journey and I'm looking forward to what's coming next.
0: Yeah. It sounds like for the most part, uh, everyone has been so supportive of you being well true to yourself and, and being um, an expert in the sex and pleasure industry. I feel like it's easy for there to be pushback um, about some of the taboos of this space, mm-hmm. uh, but it sounds like you've had a great support system, which is awesome to hear.
1: Yeah, I have had a great support system. And I mean, some people weren't on board at first, but they had to really see what I was doing to understand it. And then, like, I would say early on in my career, the trolls were massive. Like,
0: Mm. I had
1: to push back and fight back against trolls on Twitter so much. Um, (laughs) And so, but it helped me to develop a thick skin and also wit to be Mm. able to like, Clap back at people, but still make it an educational yeah. moment and and keep it lighthearted. You know, some trolls will just stop; other trolls will keep going. They will just get blocked. My block hand is strong.
0: Yeah, good um, as it should be.
1: So, yeah, but for the most part, it's been supportive, and I think a big part of it is like people don't expect, you know, a woman who's literally model esque and statuesque. Mm speaking about this stuff, but also speaking about it so eloquently and in a way that's so relatable and also fun. And so it makes it easy for people to receive the information because A, I'm not bringing it with judgment and B, you know, they get to look at my pretty face, just be like, wow, I hear what she's saying, but this girl's also very gorgeous. And so it it helped. Like I came into the space with a fan base from when I was a model Mm. and then it just built up from there. And um, I'm very fortunate to have amazing people in my life who are a part of the community, who are supportive, and then people who just pass my information along as word of mouth because they resonate mm-hmm. with my energy so
0: much. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I can attest to those uh, listening at home that your energy is great. Like, just, I mean, I've listened to your podcast interviews and I've seen your social media content, but uh, it's great to be eye to eye through the through virtual the yes. setting. But um, right. yeah, no, you definitely have a contagious energy, which certainly helps. Um, so um, one of the things you've mentioned is your relatable YouTube content and talking about sex positions. And one of the things that you are an expert in amongst many is dick writing, which yeah. is crucial in I mean, my life, but in general, I think a lot of people love to talk about writing dick, uh, work to master it. I think it is or can be certainly one of the um, more physically exerting sex positions out there, um, especially for people who are not dabbling in uh, intentionally physically (laughs) exertive sex. So um, I'd love to uh, hear a little bit more about what kind of inspired, uh, you know, the, the sex position YouTube content that you create and um why you know you sort of created the dick writing workout and then we can kind of talk a little bit more about that subject.
1: Yes. So um at the time when I got on YouTube, I literally didn't see anybody giving like Kama Sutra advice. And so I was like, you know mm-hmm. what? Sex positions are the base, like the bread and butter of sex, because you get mm-hmm. a an position and, and well of penetrative sex. And so you get into position and it's in various positions that you're going to experience different types of pleasure and so i was like let me educate people on how to get into these positions but not only that give them the pros and cons of each position and then like what's happening in the body like what they will be able to achieve if this is like and most of them have been like heteronormative positions Mm -hmm. um with penis and vagina and so in that case explaining what's happening internally within the vagina and the erogenous zones and like the spots that can be hit and the different forms of pleasure that could be experienced. Um, And the videos were like funny because like they were candid and my partners could make faces or just do whatever because it wasn't something that was like a scripted thing. Right. Um, So that was fun. And then when it came to the cowgirl positions, the women on top positions, Women would be like writing me from all over the world, like, I like this position, but I feel very uncomfortable up there, or I don't know what I'm doing, or how do I last longer, or how do I build my stamina, or how do I stop my knees from hurting? How do I stop my thighs from burning? (laughs) It was always a variety of questions that were rooted around the problem areas of being on top. And so I started doing research. And I started doing research even before I got those questions, because- um, when I first started having sex with partners, and this was in New York City, like the, my third partner in, which when I first started having sex with partners, I realized how easy it is for an attractive woman to just get their own dick. So I was like, wow, okay, my partners are, I'm like stacking them up very quickly here. Fuck this body count shit, because what is that? Like, it's very yeah. easy when you are a person that enjoys sex and just wants to connect in that way to amass yeah. a number of partners. So it's like, whatever. And the third partner, this was before I knew that, like, you know, Netflixing and chilling was a thing. And this was prior to Netflix. So it was yeah. like, oh, come over and watch a movie and let's have food. And I thought it was just going to be that, but it turned into sex. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, when you're a person coming out of, like, you know, um, having sex with yourself solo, and then yeah. you don't know all the, the tricks that people do <laughs> to get you like, yeah. right? Yeah. So he put me on top and immediately because I've never had any shame about admitting where I'm at in my process or in my journey so he Mm. puts me on top and immediately I raise my hand I'm like hey I just started having sex with people and I don't know what I'm doing up here and he was like we'll just try and I didn't know what I was doing I was just scooting Mm. And eventually he was just like, I could see the frustration growing on his face. And he was like, let's just try a different position. And he just turned me over. And as he's like, you know, stroking me from the back, I'm sitting there thinking like, yeah, I'm never going let to this, let this happen again. I'm not going to let this position best me. And I just started doing research and I realized a few things. One, the only real source that I had to learn from was porn. Yeah. because there were no classes at the time. There were no, at least any visible classes. I didn't see them. Um, there were no example videos, no literature, there was nothing. And so when I started getting those questions from all these women around the world, I was like, man, this is becoming really loud. Let yeah. me do something about it. And I created three tutorials. One was like a music video, and the other two were like tutorial breakdowns of how to ride because I started doing the research on like the muscle groups that are involved and the movement that's involved mm. in and all the mechanics that go into it. And so I was like, how can I, how can I break this down and make it easy enough to explain for people to learn? And so those videos went viral and still go viral when people, when people find them. Mm-hmm. And, um, some people learned a lot from the videos, but then there was still a great number of women who were just like, um, I still don't know what I'm doing. I need help with this. <laughs> and then, um, when I got booked for my first class, it was actually here in Chicago, and we sold out two classes. And then all of these women started requesting for me to come and tour. And that was in 2016. And so I created the Cowgirl workout because mm-hmm. what I understand is there is no way to build stamina, and there is no way to build strength and confidence to be on top without fitness. Mm-hmm. And I like I've toured the world with the Cowgirl Workout since 2016. And then the pandemic pushed me to create an online community, thecowgirlworkout.com, which has been featured in Cosmo and Exo Nicole and on we TV and on Fuse TV and on Epics. So we've been featured a few places and there's more features coming, but it's the only sensual fitness program that's dedicated to helping women become more mobile and yeah. uh, confident in their intimate movement to snatch souls. And I call it becoming a a dick assassin because you're going to snatch yourself. (laughs) A
0: dick assassin. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. I think I want to, I want to take a moment because I love um, that even in your like third partnered encounter that you have the ability, innate ability to say, Hey, like, by the way, this is new for me. Any recommendations while I'm up here? Because um, it's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. It's hard, you know, I mean, that's certainly like, you know, one of the lenses that I have as a sex educator is over communication and radical honesty, right? Because mm-hmm. which to me should just be innate, but aren't aren't always for everyone. So I think it's amazing that you have the ability um, and I assume encourage other people to do that because it's so important no matter like if you know the partner or if you don't to say like whoa there like this is entirely new for me like we need to kind of figure out boundaries and i think um folks forget that 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 should be a normal component of a partnered encounter
1: it really should be i mean communicate we always say communication is key but i think we say it very generally to the point where the average person doesn't understand what that looks like or sounds like and especially if you've been shut down in your voice and your mm-hmm. throat chakra is blocked you have trauma around communication it's not easy to just you know be able to say hey i don't like this or hey can we try something different or hey this is what i like yeah. and a lot of times you know people don't know what they like because they're really not exploring themselves or they're not entering into sex consensually mm-hmm. where um they can really feel into what they like and what they don't like and then you know, have an idea of how they want to shift it. And so I thought that it would be embarrassing for me to just get up there. Like I knew what I was doing and not say anything. So I was like, I'm going to fail at this, but I'm letting you know why. It's because I'm new to this and I don't know what I'm doing. And I still felt embarrassed, but not to the point of like giving up on sex. I just felt embarrassed that something that I consider to be simple was besting me. And I don't like that. I, I'm good at everything that I do. So Mm. I was like, no, I'm not going to let this thing, I'm not going to let sex be something that I'm bad at. I'm going to be the fucking best at it. And I just started studying and I do encourage people to feel comfortable in speaking up. And even if they can't speak up in the moment, you can Mm. take a double back and you can either speak during that aftercare pillow talk time, or even the next day after you've let the The chemical cocktails settle and you have more command over your speech. You can send a a voice note, you can send a text message. Mm -hmm. There's different ways of communicating without it having to be verbal because sometimes people just don't know how to say it. And um, some people have a fear around like face to face communication only because they don't want that, you know, that in person or in face like rejection or questioning if they're not prepared to follow up.
0: Yeah, totally. I know for me personally, and my listeners know this too, that I have a background in a little, just a little touch of sexual trauma. Um, and I've been in therapy for a number a of years, so just a, just like a touch of sexual trauma. Um, and I'm really lucky now that I have a partner who is like fully aware of all of, all of that. And now I'm in a place where I can like practice kink safely. You know what right. I mean? Like th- things like that. Right. And it takes a-, a while when you have that trauma to be like, Ah, like what well, part of this is a trauma response versus I don't like something? Like how do I parse through mm-hmm. my sexual exploration with some of that baggage? And so for me, I always like to take a day because I know my partner is very sensitive to my limits and my boundaries, and that makes sex way more fun for us as a result. but I don't ever want to come like out of a response or something and put put both of us in a situation where I'm not explaining myself well because my thoughts are a bit clouded by some of that trauma baggage. So exactly. I always like to take a day and sometimes again even with I mean my partner and I have been together for a long time, we live together like I still like to take a day and sometimes I like to send him a text during the workday like hey, you know, I had this thought about this, you know, encounter we had yesterday. Like what do you think? You know, there's no shame in like Taking time to noodle on something or not doing it face to face, to your point, just because sometimes it's better to just communicate however is best for you. It doesn't have to be a serious, like, sit down conversation, especially if that's not appropriate for the dy- dynamic.
1: And sometimes it's like anxiety ridden, especially if you come from a background and your like relationship with your family, if sitting down and having those talks were like dramatic or. Yeah um and like inducing anxiety because i know i've hearing the words like we need to talk i'm like oh my god what is it like yeah. it's it's very scary to me so because you yeah. know there's a big shift coming or there's a there may be a conversation where you feel like you have to defend yourself and so i like that idea of keeping it light like hey i noticed this when we did this last night what do you think mm-hmm. about it right yeah. because you're presenting how you feel and your observations and asking your partner for feedback without casting judgment. And so I think people would highly benefit from uh, sexual communication advice and practice. Yeah. And just realizing like this gets to be a part of your experience with your partner. This is a part of the journey and keeping mm-hmm. things spicy because without communication, you're just not gonna know if your partner's really enjoying you or not. You're gonna just be making a bunch of assumptions that could actually be harmful and you don't even know that they're harmful because no one's talking about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. No, and I think um it's it's so easy for me it's been easy when I've been in sexual dynamics that were not communicative for for one or both of us to be doing stuff that we thought the other one was super into and like maybe no mm-hmm. one was really all that into it. It was like this is like we're like trying to be like nasty and kinky, but, like no one's having a good time. So like right. we clearly need to try something else, but we're just not talking about it. So it's it's yeah, I always, always try to tell my listeners like over communication before and after. And I say over communication because to your point, I think we we encourage communication when we talk about sex to a point where it's over normalized. We've sort of forgotten how much communication it it really has to take sometimes, and so mm-hmm. over communicating before and after um, leads to by far the the best encounters um, in yes, my opinion. So yes, <laughs> and I think it brings more
1: appreciation too because mm-hmm. when you get that feedback, especially when your partner doesn't have to prompt it mm-hmm. or prompt you, but just coming out and and just initiating the conversation and making sure yeah. that it's happening, so important because it shows that your partner has an interest in shifting things to be the most pleasurable possible for both people involved. And what I've noticed in my practice as a coach is that often couples are not on the same page. Mm -hmm. And so they're operating in the same space, but they're not on the same page. And there's often that question of, does my partner desire me? Does my partner desire sex at all? Mm -hmm. And so when you're checking in and communicating about it, and about how you feel around it, it makes, uh, it, it takes that big question mark and that dubious energy out of things and allows you to really stay on the same team with your partner. And that team is pleasure. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you know yeah. what's crazy though? If you look at a lot of the relationships and partnerships in the United States, a vast majority of them are sexless. Mm-hmm. They're not like, listen, I'm single. I'm solo poly. You know, mm. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I have enjoyed it for the extended amount of time that I've been solo poly, which has been most of my life. Mm. Um, but if I had a partner that I was living with, I swear, like, I would need some kind of erotic, intimate sexual contact on the regular. Like, yeah. when I say regular, I mean like daily. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be penetrative sex because I am kinky as hell. Mm-hmm. And- there's so many things that we can do and that can be done that will just satisfy my palate and stimulate my energy and mm-hmm. help me to feel more connected to my partner. And so when I think about the couples out there that are sexless, I'm like, what's going on? You guys yeah. should come work with me so I can help you. <laughs>
0: Honestly, yeah. To anyone who's and I know that there are folks who slide into my Instagram DMs asking for relationship advice. You should get out of my DMs. And again, like I am a sex educator, but I educate. Right, I'm not a sex therapist. I'm not a coach. So you should slide into. Well, don't slide into. You should reach out to Tayomi. Slide in my DM and I'll just send them to my. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like don't want to open up your DMs for trauma dumping because that is a problem in this industry. Oh but can we talk about that? Like, yeah, I call it emotional drive-bys mm-hmm. because it's you
1: know it it is definitely trauma dumping. People will come into yeah. your inbox or your email, um, wherever they can find you on the internet, and just dump their whole life yeah. story and expect you to read it and expect you to hold space for them and. Yeah. Once I once I see it and I read the first line, I just scroll to the bottom and respond and say, Hey, I don't do this type of thing over yeah. email. I don't do this type of thing in my DM. If yep. you want me to hold space for you, here's a way to book me as, you know, for a one-to-one session. And, you know, when working with people as a coach, I prefer, especially if they have had a chronic history with an issue, work mm-hmm. with them for at least 90 days. And so my pricing reflects that. And people don't think that there's going to be a fee. It's like, yeah. and, and I think it has everything to do with how accessible we are mm-hmm. because you're not as accessible with your dentist. Even if your dentist or your doctor has an um, Instagram page now that, that's associated with their practice, right. you can't go on your doctor's social media and DM them and say, Hey doc, so <laughs> that is rash. this like,
0: rash. Yeah. It doesn't do work like that.
1: No, they're going to send you to the Teladoc portal where mm-hmm. your insurance has to be on file. And in order to book an, uh, a session to even consult them about the rash, you have to pay them. And so they don't see our uh, profession as something that they have to pay for because they're like, oh, sex advice is free. Oh, but no, advising you is not. That's correct. A big difference. Okay. Yeah. I understand what I just said. Sex education or sex advice May be free because you can go on Cosmo and all these wonderful outlets and read articles, but advising you and your personal issues is not. Correct. So, in the slide in my DM. Just know that it is going to require not only an energetic investment for you to transform, but a financial investment as well. And the, and my rate is a transformative rate because the rate in itself is going to be stretching you outside of your comfort zone to invest in something that's going to require just as much energy.
0: Yeah. And it's it's amazing to me that people, I think people forget that we're humans on the other end receiving this information. So it's like a touch of dehumanization in there. Um, But yeah, I know it's, you know, especially if you're in a long-term relationship and you're in a sexless relationship, to your point, like the emotional and financial investment like should be worth it. Like you could be living your best pleasurable life and you are choosing not to because you want things to be free. That's not how the world works. Like you should pay an Uh-oh. expert for their knowledge, for their resources, for their expertise. They worked, I mean, you've worked hard to be an expert. You deserve oh to be gosh. compensated for it. So yeah. whatever that just a little rant on that, but totally yep. like. We had to take that moment. Yeah. To that because people just make these vast
1: assumptions because we're so accessible and relatable and friendly and all of that. it's like, um, at a certain level of advisement, you have to pay me and I'm not backing down on that. And if that level of one-to-one transmission is not the right uh, type of coaching for you because you're not ready to invest in that type of energetic exchange, then you can just wait for group coaching and do it that right. way. You know, like, like there's options for everybody, but please just be respectful, you guys. Yeah. Like when you see an educator or a coach who you admire, and you resonate with their voice, and you want to work with them, just know that it's going to require financial and energetic investment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, as it should. That's just, that's just how it is. And and again, I think it's totally worth it. But um, to your point about sort of like your personal preferences on erotic and intimate interaction, I, anytime I go to therapy, and I'm like, yeah, my partner and I haven't had sex in like, two days it's been like only like four times this week my therapist is like i just want to remind you that a lot of people who have been in long-term monogamous relationships like 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 little sex could be like a month and i'm like you know i like we we adopted a dog a month ago a puppy and so so we're not having sex like every night and um So because we the dog's up like three times a night because it's a puppy um and my therapist is like you're gonna be fine like (laughs) like, (laughs) you'll be okay and I was like we didn't even mutually masturbate like why we could (laughs) have she's like it's gonna be okay so I totally get it because um yeah I'm I am the same way for sure and we all have our
1: preferences and our standards right and I'll, I'll say because a lot of my relationships are um long distance. Hmm. And so when I am in close proximity to a partner and we're having sex like multiple times while I'm like with them, yeah. I notice a difference in my body. I know a difference in I like notice a difference in my mood, mm-hmm. in my appetite, in everything. And I'm just like, no, sex is medicine and I need this on a regular. And um yes, I can do it with myself as much as I want, but that partner transmission is like another different yeah it's like another level. So yeah, I, I personally refuse to be in a sexless relationship. I understand when things do shift and the frequency may change. Sure. Um, but if, if, the frequency of penetration changes, then, you know,
0: just give me some more spanks, like (laughs) increase. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of like, I'll watch you do stuff. You watch me do stuff. Like we can get a toy. We can do whatever. Like there's so many, my nightstand is full of options. We've got lots to work with. Um, yeah. So I'm totally, I'm totally in agreement. Um, okay. We, we went on a couple of, uh, segues there, but all relevant. Um, but I want to, uh, get back to the dick writing, because I have some yes. questions for you on that. Um, only slightly from personal experience. Um, I am one of those people who I used to feel really confident in my own dick writing experience. And then I had an ankle injury. And now my joints are like 15 years older than the rest of my body. Um, so I'm like, I've been having to work a little bit on my stamina. Um, and some of my technique in terms of me being on top of my partner who is a penis owner. Um, but You have said, or I've heard you say in um, some of your work, you discuss the the concept of meeting in the middle. Um, Can you describe that a little bit or or share kind of what that looks like for folks who are trying to improve their dick writing experience?
1: Yeah. So the thing to remember is like, it's both partners meeting each other's stroke. And mm. so when you meet in the middle, it's literally both partners putting in effort or energy. I always say like, the person on the bottom is always like laying there like it's a vacation. It's not a vacation. <laughs> You're just switching roles for a moment, okay? Relax, okay. but not that much. Like you um, <laughs> need to, not need to, but from the, it's very helpful when mm. from the bottom, your partner is able to just shift their hips up. In back, you know, and so that's kind of that meeting in the middle. And then there's so many different positions that one could be in that, um, it's not that traditional straddling position because for some people who do have like a knee or ankle injuries, being in that position for an extended amount of time might not feel mm-hmm. comfortable on the joints, especially if there isn't a regular like physical therapy type, um, exercise being used to build up the ligaments and, and mm-hmm. muscles. This is why I incorporate these kinds of things into my workout. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not just teaching like dick riding choreography. I'm literally (laughs) helping to remedy those those, uh, common problem areas, which are with the knees and the joints and lower back pain Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so meeting in the middle is just, hey, give me some assistance until Mm -hmm. I get into a good groove. And then when I get in the groove, maybe you can relax a bit and I'll take over. Mm -hmm. And honestly, for me, that's my favorite part. For like when I'm personally riding somebody is like, when I get in the zone, I'm able to take over and I see their mm-hmm. eyes just kind of like, there's a there's like a look of bewilderment and awe and also a slight fear because <laughs> <laughs> what is this girl doing? <laughs> and also I don't want to lose my shit right now, but she's pushing me close. Yeah. And, and it's just... It's amazing to see all the nuances of changes and um, just having fun with that that power shift because it is a power shift. Mm. And so I always tell my clients, I'm like, look, this is for you first. Mm. And this is my remedy to bridging the pleasure gap and the orgasm gap that exists within like heteronormative couplings, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, if you take over the stroke just for three minutes, okay, not asking you to be up there for like 15, 15 minutes, <laughs> right? Even though I'm training people to have stamina to last that long, it's like if your penis owning partner is the one that's doing pride like primarily most of the stroking, it's only fair to give them at least three minutes. Like it's yeah. just three minutes. <laughs> not that it's much,
0: historical. yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So and and that's also meeting in the middle, like mm. where. Um, giving your partner that time to be in that submissive role where they get to receive, and you get to be the guiding partner. I mean, think about how much pressure is taken off of that person to perform mm. and how much more pleasure they get to receive in being in a more passive role. People don't see it like that, but mm. that's also a part of the of that dynamic and that shift is you know, vulgar owning people, women getting to be in control. And in a lot of spaces in the world, you know, we don't always feel like we're in control, even in sex. And so when you get on top, you get to control the depth and the speed of the stroke and, you know, where the pressure is, is being placed and you can find those internal erogenous zones and you can mm-hmm. stay right there with that stroke and that pressure and have as many orgasms as you want if you have a partner who can hold their seed back. <laughs> <laughs> right, for a yes, bit,
0: a little bit of longevity on their part <laughs> for sure. Yeah. No, I I love that though because I think um, you know when when I. I guess the obvious way of thinking about it for me was meet in the middle anatomically, like physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's such a great point that it really is a mental game as well, right? Because it is about yeah. change in power or just just control or agency. I mean, I think even if um, even if the we'll say the vulva owner in this situation is typically more do- dominant, there's still like a a sense of physical agency in that particular position even if the the role change isn't uh, as significant there's just different elements that can create new experiences and, and new um, ses- sensations physically and emotionally uh, in that way which is I think really interesting and, and certainly important to keep in mind uh, even though it's a little bit less obvious
1: yeah and it's um I have a lot of clients who have come to me and they say I want to learn how to take control Hmm. and this is one of the best ways to learn how to do that because it's all about you getting what you want, and in turn, your partner gets to share in that because one thing I can guarantee is if it feels good to you, it feels good to your partner,
0: hmm.
1: and so being able to say when you start, when you stop, and even when you get on top because you don't want to get on top before you're really aroused and the vagina has completely like flowered and opened up. Yeah. Because it's painful if if not, you know. Yeah, and it's a,
0: it's a tough one. I have I have tried and failed. No,
1: it's not comfortable. <laughs> no. I, I can speak from personal experience, and so people don't think about that whole mental piece and mm-hmm. just how exposing the position is, which, which is funny to me, right? Because I'm like, okay, you're completely naked when you're a missionary, and your right. body is exposed, and everything is being seen. Um, but I think it's just that feeling of being on top and knowing that you're dominant. And now it's like, okay, we're waiting on you to see what you're going to do. And so it it almost feels like being put on stage to perform. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, you don't, some people feel they have to be like a porn star and all animated and right. all these things, right? And so if they don't have all of these elements together, specifically the mobility part of it, then it's like, oh shit, yeah. what am I going to do? And then, especially like, you get on top and you do that initial straddle, and immediately start feeling the burn in the inner thighs because they're the, the hip flexors are stiff. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm doomed. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not making this ride successful. <laughs>
0: Like first gravity is already working against me, right? Like in missionary, exactly. if I'm flat, it's all looking good. But if I'm on top, it's gravity is working against me. And now I'm literally just sitting on his dick, not yep. doing anything because I'm too tired. <laughs> so, taking a break on the dick. Yeah. <laughs> We're soaking. We're soaking. Don't yep. have to move. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's, yeah. The mobility, um, again, like something I had to relearn when I like, graduated physical therapy was left out in the world but I ha- you know I have chronic joint pain as a result again not something that I I hadn't met my partner yet when that happened so I was like on tinder like who's looking for someone who's like <laughs> achy achy in bed uh, <laughs> but uh yeah no it's like a I do a lot of yoga I do yeah. a lot of stretching there's a lot that um goes into I'm sure not I'm not nearly as skilled as the people who take your workouts so maybe I should look into it but um what one of the things too i guess is for me when cuz cowgirl is a flexible position right like i mm. i am on top in different ways which is like pro, pros and cons hopefully folks can find a position that is most accessible to them but one of the one of the things that i um have worked to master is reverse cowgirl because oh, that's yeah. one of those really like vulnerable positions where it's, it's one thing to be in doggy, right. Where I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, like full animalistic bent over. I'm, I'm good to go, but like on top and, you know, face ass facing um, yeah. it's vulnerable. It
1: is. And it's a different angle. And people mm-hmm. don't understand. I always tell my clients this too. I'm like, just because it exists doesn't mean it's for you. Sure. Because yeah. The, the shape of the penis and the shape of the vagina matters. And sometimes, like that, that backward bend for certain shaped penises just is not possible. It would be more painful to ride in reverse than to ride, you know, in front facing. And then there's a different stroke pattern that goes into it. So, the same thing Mm. that you would do front facing is not the same thing that you would do backward facing. And people make the mistake of doing this bounce thing. And I'm like, Mm. the bounce, if it's done, improperly and if it's done too often it can cause a loss of erection it could potentially lead to penile fracture if Mm -hmm. the um if the penis slips out and the re-entry point is not accessed Ah, properly yeah you know and so i teach reverse but then i also just say use with caution and really just be observant of if this is something that's going to be for you and your partner because it might not be for your body types And that is a realistic thing. And I say that without it being a judgment, because it's not, it's just an observation of how bodies work. And, you know, there's just certain positions that I wouldn't want to get in because it doesn't work for my body. Mm -hmm. You know, I I have like my four or five go-to positions that will get me there, you know? And I always, I always encourage my, um, my students and clients and people who learn from me to just have like that core set of like physical skills that you know you can apply that's going to be pleasurable to you first and then your partner gets to enjoy in that join in on that pleasure with you and then you're good to go you don't have to master all all the positions of the Kama Sutra you just don't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so true and I I guess there's a hypothetical reality where maybe I have like four go-to positions but those work with you know, one of my partners, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not another partner based on assuming they're both penis owners, the shape of their penis or, you know, yeah. our our body types and the way that they move together. So that's a really good point. Um, yeah. You don't have to force it, I guess. So weird that you have choices. To, you don't you don't have to do the thing. he doesn't feel good. <laughs> exactly. And there is, I think
1: that it is that added pressure of, oh my gosh, my partner wants me to ride in reverse, but it doesn't mm. feel good to me, you know. But right. I want to please my partner. And that's always been every time a new person comes into the tribe to, you know, join the workout, join the fitness program, there's always at least one person that's like, I am here to learn this because I am desperately wanting to save my relationship that I think is going to be mm. in ruins if I don't learn this. And I always start with that mindset first and just reminding them that, Hey, this is for you first, because, because mm. when you show up for yourself, then your partner is going, gets to enjoy in that with you. And they get to appreciate you for that. If for even mm. trying, we don't, don't feel pressed or stressed about doing this for someone else, because if it's not for you first, right then nothing is going to sink in and actually land for you because you're placing mm. all of your power into that other person's hands and their opinions of uh their opinions and their critique of what you're doing but you do it for yourself mm. first it changes the whole dynamic
0: right because i think partners can feel some of that desperation in yes. an encounter right and that's not well again depends but my guess is oftentimes not a turn on if someone if you're like feeling the people pleasing
1: (laughs) so I've had a lot of experiences with erectile dysfunction Mm. and I think a big part of this is like the intimidation factor when being with me in particular
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um and and the desperation of just trying to get hard and just like doing all the things. I'm just like, oh, can we just pause? Can we just pause? I don't want to be stuffed with a flaccid penis. Yeah, it's not good. It's can not good. Stop and just take a breath or a five or maybe mm-hmm. just take a 30 and yeah. we can come back to this or we can do something else that doesn't involve penetration. Um, because I don't like having sex under the desperate act. Mm-hmm. The energy is not my vibe. I don't like it.
0: No. Yeah. Totally. I. Yeah. We've all. I mean, I assume everyone's seen at least one person with performance anxiety. Granted, again, mm-hmm. you are exceptionally beautiful and a sex expert. So I, you're, <laughs> you've got you've got all of all of the ideal traits. Um, yeah. And there's people. People probably assume that you are harder to please or something ridiculous as a result. But you're. Yeah. yeah. They put you on a pedestal, which is, I mean, both valid, but also unfair. Um, But yeah, like no one, no one wants a partner with performance anxiety of any kind. Performance anxiety is
1: trash and not saying people who experience it are trash, but the thing in itself is trash because it's like, whose standard are we living up to? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really porn, (laughs) Um, And porn is not the enemy. Porn is not the problem. It is how Mm -hmm. porn is consumed. Yeah. You know, and also, I'm going to say this too, in how porn is also produced. Um, I like gay porn a lot because gay porn seems very authentic and comfortable for both of the partners. Mm -hmm. And most of the heterosexual porn I've seen, it's cringeworthy to me. Um, There's only a few performers who I enjoy watching together that are like in the heteronormative couplings because Mm -hmm. it seems like it's consensual. It seems like it, there's intimacy there. And so it's like people are trying to compare themselves to actors, to performers, people who literally do this, um, as a form of entertainment and they're setting themselves up for unrealistic expectations or they're, they're trying to, uh, match their, partners, previous partner and what they assume, because I don't know many people who are actually talking about what the last partner did, unless they have that kind of openness in their communicating where they're like, you know, with my last partner, it was like this, but that act of comparison literally can, um, can induce anxiety Which leads to that performance anxiety, because now this person's like, oh, well, my dick wasn't that big, or my vagina wasn't like that, or I can't do acrobatics on the dick, like, you know, (laughs) and so now you're like, oh, never live up to your last partner, and then boom, now you're not having sex Mm -hmm. because of all of these assumptions, and so... Just drop, drop the assumptions, guys, drop the comparison and meet your partner where they are in the moment. Don't even compare mm. yesterday's session to today's session because energy levels are going to be different. Everything is different the next day. So, yeah, you know, performance anxiety can completely be remedied with just taking that stuff off of the table and just remembering like porn is a great reference and it's great for entertainment, but that's not the average person's way of um, engaging in sex.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think media literacy is a tough nut to crack when it comes to porn. Oh and what. when I teach, because I teach middle school and high school. And so when we talk about porn and self teaching and self exploration at that age, it is really tough to try to educate folks on what is real, quote unquote, and what's uh, authentic and what intimacy actually really looks like, especially when they're not comparing it to a, typically not comparing it to a live encounter yet. But um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I yeah, I, I find myself a lot of the time whenever I just casually open up, you know, But well, let me just see what's on Pornhub today. Just right. looking like, oh God, like, what am I looking at? Like, this is just, yeah, it's <laughs> tough. And you have to like, know, know what, know what I guess you like one, but also like, yes try to find some of that authentic, uh, content, but it is really, it's, it's a tough, um, that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic. Um, rabbit hole of of a topic. (laughs) Yes. Something that you mentioned, uh, about, uh, writing, It was sort of like the compatibility, uh, between writing and being multi-orgasmic, uh, Mm. if you're a vulva owner. So for vulva owners who struggle to orgasm, maybe in general or, uh, on top or through, uh, primarily like penetrative stimulation, how can those vulva owners like take control of their orgasm while on top?
1: The first thing is to relax.
0: Mm. An anxious
1: state is going to cause the body to say, hey, we're gonna send blood to these other areas of the body, not your uh, erectile tissues because, well, gotta keep your, keep your heart pumping, gotta keep your, <laughs> your, your brain on online, And so relaxing not only allows blood to flow more easily, but it also helps the pelvic floor to relax. When there's tension mm-hmm. there, it's difficult to really access those internal erogenous zones. And you know, you want the the vagina to be like, hey, I can open to this, great. Let me just recede on back Mm -hmm. and let you in a little more. So relaxing and then really knowing what makes you feel safe and what makes you feel good.
0: Mm -hmm. Doing
1: all the things that are going to help you increase your arousal state. So that way there's more lubrication, the cervix is as, as far up as possible, and there's easy access for penetration. And then um, examining, like again, that mindset. If you're feeling desperation, if you're like, this just this has to happen. The thing that you're meditating the most on is how the body is going to respond. So if you're saying this has to happen, the body's like, yes, and what are we going to do about it? You know, like the (laughs) the body's not necessarily going to follow along when you're coming from that um, space of trying to make it happen instead of allowing it.
0: Because Mm -hmm. this,
1: you know, an orgasm is the peak of sexual energy. It's a release of that. And so that energy has to be cultivated and stimulated in order to even reach that peak. And so feeling comfortable with taking your time, slowing it down, and breathing deep and also examining what's happening mentally what's mm-hmm. happening environmentally so in your space that may be causing distraction and then two, examining what's happening in the body so if you know you're experiencing painful sex what could that be linked to you know could it be mm-hmm. a health condition or could it just be um you know not having the right amount of or the right type of stimulation? To help things open up and really lubricate to make it easier mm-hmm. to reach those internal zones. Um, and, you know, we talked about the little bit of trauma that you've experienced, <laughs> right? And the thing is, we've all experienced some form of trauma, even if it's not sexual trauma. And even mm-hmm. with sexual trauma in itself, it could be something as simple as like um, being shamed. So, for instance, the situation where I royally failed at riding dick for the first time. And he said, let's just get into a different position. If I would have Mm -hmm. internalized that and made it a thing where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person. I don't know what I'm doing. Then that could have caused me to shut down and not even feel comfortable on top because now my body has registered this as a trauma Mm -hmm. and it wants to protect me from it. So then there'll be anxiety even just getting up there. So examining the mindset around this, And any types of like, you know, trauma or shame or guilt or any ill feelings that could be centered around this thing is just as important as getting the physical skills down. I can't Mm -hmm. stress that enough. It is the actual physical skill that is going to bring it all together, knowing how to leverage weight, knowing how to create that space between pelvises knowing how to recognize the stroke. I always say, and I'm gonna mm. trademark this term, if it's not a glide, it's not a ride.
0: If you don't mm. feel that
1: glide on, coming down the shaft and coming up towards the head, then you're not riding. You're just scooting mm. at that point. And scooting gets a <laughs> consolation prize, you know, cause you get to soak in it and you get to like rub your clit up against their pelvis. But the thing right. is wobbling, it's not being stroked, you know, it's just like- <laughs> it's a I different didn't thing. Here, right, I didn't come here for the wobble. I came here for the stroke, what's up? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> so and then like not taking ourselves so seriously you know like mm. you're not gonna die and your relationship isn't gonna die because you don't ride properly like and if someone wants to break up with you just because of that it's like mm, you're more than that you're you're more than just someone who can ride a dick like
0: mm. that's something
1: they get to do with you but that's not all of who you are and so making it fun And this is why I created the cowgirl workout to be fun and to be engaging because no one truly likes to work out. Like no one truly likes to do that, (laughs) but we do it because we know that it benefits our health. It benefits Mm -hmm. our self-concept. And in this case, it improves our sex lives. And so when you, when you have the developed muscle groups to help with leveraging weight and you know how to isolate the hips to lower and lift them on and off the penis and you know how to breathe deep to recognize when you've hit a spot that you should should continue to stroke so you can reach that climax, Hmm. then you become a master of your own orgasm. And vulva owners are naturally multi-orgasmic. But many of us don't get to tap into that because we don't have the chance to really explore our bodies Hmm. with a partner. And so being on top allows you to do that. Hmm. And guess what? Especially if you are a thicker madame like myself. Because a lot of larger women are just like, well, I don't think this is for me. Or is this workout for me? I'm like, it's for all bodies. I'm 222 pounds. I'm a half. and a half. So there's no way that I, in my body, could create something for small people. Like, this is just for people. <laughs> yeah, People in general, yeah. When you're larger, though, there is a clamping down, like, mm. where... It's like uh, when you go to the amusement park and on the roller coaster, they strap you in with a little uh, <laughs> with the thing across your chest and it's like, yeah. you can't go anywhere. Your partner's not going anywhere and they're happy to see you up there too. And just by pressing your weight in or like bringing your thighs in, they got to stay where they're at. They can't move. <laughs> and so it gives you the chance to really explore yourself when you're up there. So if you look at it as a fun ride, like literally a fun ride (laughs) where you get to potentially add the waterworks in, if you hit those right spots, now it becomes this thing that is fun and it's filled with exploration and the stress is reduced and no one's trying, trying to reach a goal. It's Mm. just, you get to do this and get to observe the, the effects of it and get to try it again and again and again and get even better at it. So that's my advice on tapping into that mostly orgasmic um, ability is just mm-hmm. relaxing into it and having that skill set and not taking yourself so seriously and really paying attention when you're up there and getting yours. That's, that's what it's about because your partner's going to get theirs. I guarantee it. <laughs> They're going to get theirs.
0: Yeah. Got to take some time to explore yourself as well. Cause they're good. They are good. Yeah. <laughs> I love being tapped in like, put me in coach. I want to get on top now. <laughs> That's awesome. I think it is, it is so easy to be like, he wants me to be on top. Ugh, like, Oh, I'm so tired. Like, do I have to, you know? And so it's, it's a fun ride. That's what we're thinking of it as now. Um, I love. And that.
1: don't get on top when you're tired. Like, if if you're yeah. tired, just don't get up there. And if he wants you up there for the aesthetic, then just lay chest to chest and let him stroke from the bottom.
0: Like there you go. Pro tip: you can that's meeting in, in the middle.
1: middle. <laughs> like seriously, if if they want you on top and you're tired and you don't have the capacity, because sometimes I'm that way. Like I don't like yeah. having sex super late at night because typically you just want to spoon me. Like you don't expect me to do all the things. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm like one o'clock in the morning, it's not happening. So. Yeah. Meeting in the middle is just like, okay, how can we make this work? Mm-hmm. Let them lie down, chest to chest, it aligns your chakras and your heart center, and you can sink your breath and stuff, and then your partner can just stroll from the bottom and everybody wins.
0: That is so true. That's a pro tip. I feel like people are have, yep. have forgotten about, I, or yep. maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm speaking autobiographically. <laughs> it's me. I forgot about that pro tip. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any recommendations uh, for how to incorporate toys while writing?
1: Yes. Okay, so first and foremost, let's talk about double penetration. So I went like far left, but here we are.
0: No, it's good. <laughs> I love it. I'm, yeah. Everyone who listens to Sex Centralist knows that I'm like all into ass play. I'm a big ass play person. Yes, so, I, cool. I, yeah.
1: I always say a conversation that ends up there is a great one for me. Um, <laughs> So for those that have like the fantasy of wanting to experience double penetration, then using a butt plug is great. And then the added bonus is if you have a butt plug, that's a vibrating butt plug Mm. because it's going to vibe and stimulate all those nerve endings. And then your partner can feel it as well. So then like And the anus and the vagina are like parallel. So Mm -hmm. that vibe is going to be felt through the vaginal wall. So it's like the vagina becomes a vibrator in itself. So cool. (laughs) That is amazing. That's like a great way to incorporate um, a toy that is typically not thought about. Right. Mm. Um, And staying on the kinky side, um, like a collar and lead. So if you, if you are into pet play or like pony play, um, or even just like DS relating in, in that capacity, that can be used as a way to control the ride. So even though you're the person on top and you have control, there can be a switch in the middle of this mm-hmm. ride. If the person on the bottom is holding that lead and kind of like tugs at it for you to move or like change position or changing speed. And, you know, if you're into pony play and they had a riding crop
0: <laughs> and they're that's tapping you
1: with it, it's like yee-haw for real. Literally yee Right? Literally yee-haw. <laughs> um, so if you are a person that's into impact play and like being collared and like a little like neck play and like breath play, all those things are incorporated in. And then of course, vibrators. Vibrators that are like bullets or thin enough to be like wearable, Mm. um, to fit in between the pelvises is great. There's one toy by Sweet Vibes, it's called Tulips, and I love it because it's flexible and it's thin and it can Mm. fit between both bodies and like literally sit there as you're riding. And so it can sit on the clit, vibrate the clit while the dick is inside, doing its thing as you glide up and down the shaft. And it's just like a beautiful symphony of of just pleasures happening at once. Um, Blindfolds. Mm. So imagine being blindfolded. Now, this takes skill, though. This takes skill. (laughs) Because if you don't have the mechanics down yet, um, you might not be able to ride without sight.
0: I feel like my balance would get really, I'd have to. I don't have a center, a visual center, so I'd be all over the place. So, for those that feel like they have that skill
1: set to be able to be blindfolded, that's another great way to like spice up the ride, but mm. also just like feel more deeply into what's happening in the vagina. Because now that the eyesight is taken off, you have to focus on like being in the right position and leveraging the weight properly to be able to stay on it. And mm. focusing on the pacing and the speed so that way you're not coming off of it. And I haven't tried this yet, but I think the next time I have sex, I'm going to try this because I have plenty of blindfolds.
0: let <laughs> do it. I was about to say, that is like my next milestone like sexual milestone not that everything has to be a competition for me but I feel like in my head I'm like setting goals for myself whether I'm trying to communicate those but you know what I mean it's I I am a big sensory deprivation fan but I do think sometimes I am a pillow princess when I'm like (laughs) headphones on like blindfolded I'm like tied up in a chair being like tickled or whatever like teased and all of that is like 10 out of 10 but I'm not in control I'm being submissive Mm -hmm. um so definitely going to have to try the combination of blindfold and having a little bit more physical control over the situation because yeah it sounds like I may have to work on like my core strength and and, like some of those like basic writing mechanics because I just yeah not I'm not always a pillow princess but you know gotta gotta work on it um but that sounds like so much fun
1: yeah and like you like you inspired me because I was thinking about like, oh, because I'm working on my book now because there's still no literature out there literally like with, on the mechanics of how to ride. Mm-hmm. so I'm working on having this book published before the end of 2022. Yay. And that line of questioning just like made me think like, oh, I have to add this to my book and just ways to spice up the ride because I could think of a ton of things to do and that are really sexy. And that, yeah, the blindfold, I just know like that, that is a great challenge and also just like the feels like I just feel tingles on my arms just even thinking about it just like
0: yeah I love that I'm definitely I mean I I had kind of a you know I do like a sexy Saturday when I can so I'm kind of like physically worn out so I'll probably like not pencil that in for today but I'm gonna like write (laughs) it into my things to try over the next three weeks um blindfolded writing um I also have a bit of a shibari practice that I've been exploring. And I feel like when you were talking about collaring um, and pony play and stuff, that actually shibari could be a really fun thing to explore while writing. Because it's definitely more, again, typically something that we do when I'm being more submissive as opposed to being more physically in control. So having the juxtaposition of those two things is really interesting as well to me now.
1: Yes, I was going to say incorporating bondage in would mm-hmm. be another way to like spice it up and how that looks would just depend on the two people involved, whether it's cuffs yeah. or rope, like, ugh, oh oh, my gosh, so many juicy, it's um, so good. <laughs> like just options to be able to explore. And that's why I love sex because like, it does not have to ever be the same if you have um, a healthy, developed erotic mindset, then an imagination. Like having an erotic imagination is a major key because you can just think up so many scenarios, and then you just think, "Oh, now I get to try this, right?" Mm-hmm. And so then nothing is off the table that's within your boundaries and within your desires, and sex just becomes this fun thing. So I'm like, man, I like my heart goes out a huge empathy to those who are in sexless relationships that don't want to be in them. Yeah. Because it, there's so much that can be done. Yeah. Especially when using pervertibles.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, the body is capable of so much pleasure. Um, and I yeah, I want everyone who wants to explore that to have the ability to do it. And yes. Tommy, your work is amazing. I just want to say thank you so much. I feel like um, in general, you're empowering so many people and you have such an amazing presence and energy in the way that you do that. Um, but thank also, you. I feel like in the last like hour, we've had a ton of like brainstorming ideation that's just happened for me personally. So now I feel like I'm going to go like meditate on my on my own sexual practices and some things I want to explore and that's just the effect you have on people. I love, I appreciate you so much coming on here. You're so amazing. Thank you for having me.
1: And Thank you for that feedback because you know when you're in the work and your head's down and you're just doing the thing but then also you are still a human and you go through your own yeah. stuff, right? Cuz I too have a therapist. <laughs> <And> I too <laughs> am still like healing remnants of things from like my past relationship mm-hmm. and stuff. And so it's like when I have my head down, I'm not always aware of the the fullness of the impact that I have. And like I know people's lives are being transformed. And so when I hear even from just like a conversation over a podcast that someone's mm-hmm. like, huh, that opened me up. Now I have things to think about. Now I have like, you know, more of an awareness to do something different. I'm like, ha. Ah. <laughs> Yes.
0: That is your gift. I need that. Thank
1: you. <laughs> I, I love that mirroring. So I appreciate you, M.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, well, again, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on. Where can people find you um, in terms of your classes, in terms of your coaching? How do people get in touch and book you? So you can find me
1: on Instagram at Tayomi, And in my bio, there is a link where you can find all of the links to join the Cowgirl workout Or you can just go to cowgirlwork, thecowgirlworkout.com to find us. Um, And you can also book me in my calendar through my link tree on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Glamazon Tayomi. You can find me on my teaching platform that's officially launching. Finally. (laughs) So by the time you guys hear this, it will already be up and running and rolling. And that is www.thepleasureacademy.com. And I'm just really excited about that platform because it gives me the opportunity to reach as many people as possible at rates that are affordable for the average person. And um, you can also find me on my blog, Glamorotica101.com and my YouTube channel, Glamorotica101. I stopped producing for a while because I was hiding out. I felt like I was in a secret underground mission because YouTube is (laughs) sweeping people like YouTube was sweeping mm-hmm. people and I was shook. So I've been hiding <laughs> <for> <laughs> years, <laughs> just right. letting my page rock, just letting <laughs> YouTube do what they do. And I'm grateful that my community is still there. So I will be returning to YouTube.
0: And Yay. so you'll
1: see all of my new videos and photos and um, advice videos and all the stuff that I've been doing while I've been gone. Cause I have so many features that are like video based that I mm-hmm. haven't been put up there yet. So Find me in those places, and you can also find me at the Exotica Expo. Um, Check out ExoticaExpo.com. We have four shows a year, Um, Chicago, Miami, Edison, New Jersey, and Washington, D.C. I am the residence expert and the seminar coordinator for that show, so I'm in control of and responsible for our robust educational series that is absolutely free for people who come in to our show doors. So That's you can awesome. find me there as well. And if you forget anything, you can just put Tayomi into Google and you can <laughs> find all of my stuff and my website, com. You can book me directly there.
0: Awesome. And I will link all of that below. So if any of you panic because you didn't retain all of that, totally fine. It'll all be in the show notes. Don't worry. Uh, and yes, by the time this airs, um, you will have your pleasure Academy and uh, your book will potentially be out. It sounds yes, like I,
1: that, that is the goal is okay. to it before the end of this year, because like I've been doing this, I've been mm-hmm. teaching writing and teaching this fitness program for so long. And it's literally like second nature to me. So writing it down and, you know, giving the foundation because the book's not going to have everything, but the mm-hmm. book will give you a solid foundation um, that's easy to do. And so it is my pleasure to bring this book out into the world and inspire people with vulvas to get moving. That's the main yes. thing, get moving.
0: Yes, I love it. Depending on the timing, that might just be my stocking stuffer of the year. Hello! Just, no. just <laughs> writing books for everyone stocking. Uh, basics That'll for be all awesome. my vulva owner friends. I I joke, but I'm not joking. You're I. I that keeps on giving. That is one yes. of us yes <laughs> Naomi. thank you so much for for coming on and um hopefully everyone will flock to your content because it's so amazing and important and yeah you're awesome thank you so much
1: you're awesome and thank you for having me